0: Skills 101 Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Neering, is a homeschooler with five kids who has homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Neering, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with
1: the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a Savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Nearing.
2: Hey, everybody. It is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy, and I'm here once again for another show, Life Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. And today I am talking with Natalie Vecchioni, and I hope I didn't mess up her name too much. Did I, Natalie? Did I get it right?
0: Not. Nope, you're pretty close. Becky Owen.
2: Becky okay, thanks. So, Natalie, I met Natalie through our good friend Cindy LaJoy, who does SPED academic advising at Trinor Home School Academy. She's been on the podcast several times and she's been teaching our adapted classes this year. And she and Natalie wrote a book together. So, I'm super excited to let you guys know about um, Blazing New Homeschool Trails, Educating and Launching Teens with Developmental Disabilities. We're going to talk about that today, but I also want to let you guys know that Natalie has a podcast called FASD Hope, um, as well as a website titled the same thing, FASD Hope. And she, Susan Hale and Stephanie Williams are about to launch a brand new podcast um, for the homeschool working mom. Woo! I'm super excited about seeing what happens with that. Um, and we'll, you'll you'll hear from them more because we're going to have them on the podcast later. So stay tuned for that podcast coming up. But for now, Natalie, thanks for joining me today. I'm so glad you're here. Lisa, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So Natalie, tell us about a little bit about your journey. Um, how did you end up as a homeschool, a busy homeschool mom? Because <laughs> that's almost like redundant, right? How did you end up writing a book in the middle of all that? <laughs>
0: And and everything else, starting a podcast and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um honestly, like Cindy, I Cindy and I we we have so much in common and and uh you know both of our reasons for homeschooling were born out of desperation, to be honest. We 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 nickname ourselves the desperation homeschoolers because You know, Cindy wasn't anticipating homeschooling her brood, and I wasn't anticipating homeschooling our son, um, who has a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. But um, we were just being presented with um, options that we just felt like were not appropriate for our son. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not to say that, you know, I'm not knocking uh, public school, but um, so often for our kids that have FASD or other brain based diagnoses, it's so complex. So it's really challenging for the school to to meet, you know, meet the student at this need and and yet, you know, have the student have a strength in another area. It's just, it's really challenging for or um many homeschool districts to to meet that need. So um after a um pretty disastrous uh meeting in 2014 uh when we left and um we talk about this in in our book um one of the teachers in that meeting actually pulled my husband and I aside and said and, and God bless her. I think she's an angel. I think the Lord sent her because she pulled it, my husband and I aside into a little like hallway where nobody could see us after the meeting, which they explained what they were going to do. And my husband and I were just like, no, you you can't do that. Um, she pulled us aside and she said, don't let your son go into the program that they want him to go into. You will lose him. And right there, that's when my husband and are like, okay, we're homeschooling. (laughs) And literally that was a Friday. And the following Monday we started homeschooling and I'm so thankful. Um, I'm really thankful, especially, you know, we share in our book, Cindy shares her challenges and we we share, you know, our challenges and how so many times that this journey almost broke us because especially having a teen with a developmental disability, you're, you're so often just doing things that nobody else is doing because nothing is out there. Um, so this journey really broke me as a mom. Um, however it filled me again and, and, and the Lord just put me back, together in, in a way that I knew that I needed to share our journey and our experience. So Mm -hmm. that's the long story. And, And then we adopted our, we have a 13 year age gap between our children. Our son is almost 20 and our daughter will be seven soon. Uh, and so we started homeschooling her for different reasons. And, um, I I'm so thankful that I get to do it all over again with her. It's it it's almost like homeschooling two only children which people some people would be like oh but i i enjoy it i'm just having a blast um so yeah so we've been homeschooling for 8 years and um really just as the result of our son having such specific needs that were just not being met um and uh i'm so thankful we did because in the journey we learned that he was a you know gifted carpentry apprentice, and he left the trades and that's where Cindy and I connected and then we wrote the book and um, we learned that um, so often for our kids that interact with the world differently, um, post academia you know post homeschool academia, mm-hmm. college universities, even trade schools are not an option for many of our kids, mm-hmm. so that's where we have to create these options and and like our title says we have to blaze these new trails yeah, um right. which which is hard incredibly hard but pioneers um, really know, take we, it
2: they get all the hits <laughs> I mean, really, they do i mean think uh, about that yeah yeah going yeah. across country in a covered wagon with yeah i mean oh yeah. my goodness i can not know what fathom doing no. it in an rv I know no one really remembers the pioneers names. It's the settlers that, that make the big names, but it's the pioneers who are shot and beat and drowned that they make the trail and, and it is tough. It's really hard. So I really applaud you. Tell us, I I mean, the fact that someone, someone had the courage to take you aside and say, don't do this program and whatever she meant by you'll lose your son. That was, you know, you just take those moments and you go, Lord, thank you for that arrow pointing this way, you know, go here now. Um, But how did you start homeschooling on Monday? What did you do? What did you think to do that day? (laughs) So I shared in the
0: book, actually, as a result of our son having a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, he has um, a lot of medical conditions and he was actually, we were kind of schooling at home. We were kind of doing the medical schooling at home. So I was starting to learn about that for like two weeks prior to that meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, I share in our book, my husband was like, you should just homeschool him. You, you, you actually can do this. And at the time, you know, I didn't want to leave my, my job. And I, Prior to homeschooling, I was a music therapist for 20 years and I really didn't want to leave that. But I knew that God was putting me in the direction of, okay, no, this is the path you need to go down. So I did a lot of research. At the time, the book that was the go-to book for me um, was Kathy Cool's Homeschooling Your Struggling Learner, um, which I interviewed Kathy like three times for our podcast. And I, I'm friends with her and I'm so blessed to know her. Um her book really was one of those pioneer books that said you can homeschool kids with, with, you know, different abilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I bought that and read that and then signed up and, Uh, like Cindy and I both share, you know, we tried curriculums, we tried things and, and a lot of it was just trial and error. Um, Mm -hmm. and at the time we were living in New York, which is one of the five most heavily regulated homeschool States in the country. So I'm glad that we started in homeschool homeschooling in New York. And then, uh, a few years later, we moved to North Carolina, North Carolina is regulated, but not nearly as much. So I'm glad I started in New York because I had the practice of writing out notes and writing out things and, and writing out reports. It kind of put me on my game. And then when we moved to North Carolina, I didn't let that slip. I I'm pretty meticulous in my record keeping. I'm pretty meticulous in just keeping progress, you know, like every month I just kind of, now I do this with our, our daughter, uh, just, just jotting jotting down, you know, like in a Google doc, what we did, what we covered, things like that. Um, I'm really thankful for that challenge because it made me more, um, intentional as, Mm -hmm. as a homeschool mom not so much the, the planning and curriculum, but the, okay, what were our strengths this month? What do we need to support more? Um, you know, coming up. So yeah, yeah, it really, a lot of trial by error, a lot of, uh, change in the curriculum, a lot of not being married to a curriculum, I apologize to anyone who's listening out there who sells or promotes curriculum. Curriculums are wonderful, but for many of our kids with learning challenges, they, they may not be a good fit. Right. And I
1: think
2: too, using curriculum as a tool, like you can take pieces and parts of a curriculum without using the whole thing. If you just need that piece and just realize that, you know, you're not homeschooling because of curriculum. That's one of the tools that you get to pick and choose from. (laughs) It, it just puts curriculum in perspective. And yes,
0: and an interesting point, um, Lisa, is, is our daughter, who will be seven, has dyslexia. She has absence epilepsy, and dyslexia, which is another brain-based diagnosis. So um, I do exactly what you're saying. I We have curriculum for a couple of her subjects, which work fantastic she loves them for another subject we have a different curriculum and then for another for her reading actually we we use the orton gillingham uh you know method so we actually see a tutor online for her so we have like three or four different curriculums for her but they all work well for her in the area that you know we need be so um yeah i we i definitely view curriculum as a tool and not as you know, we're going to do this forever. You know, I, again, for those families who it works for fantastic, but Cindy and I both learned quickly that that was just not going to be the way that our
2: then teens with developmental disabilities were going to progress. Yeah. So tell me, uh, I, I think the term brain-based diagnosis is so helpful because it doesn't like when you're saying, you know, I don't know, it's just descriptive and not like pigeonholing. But tell us some of the other diagnoses that might fall into brain-based diagnosis camps, because I think there's a lot of them out there. And the more unique they are, the harder it is to find resources for. So what would parents look for just as far in terms of diagnoses and then resources maybe that you know about?
0: so really brain based diagnoses um in our book, we talk about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders because Cindy has uh, three now young adults with it and, and our son has that um and we explain that so it, you know one of the benefits of our book is you learn about f a s d which is actually more common than autism people don't realize it um so it it's it, part of our book is advocacy for f a s d um but other brain based diagnoses include. Include things like the autism spectrum, Tourette's, ADHD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, learning disabilities uh, such as dys- dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, uh, processing disorders. So having processing delays or processing disabilities such as auditory processing, sensory processing, visual processing. Those are just some of the many examples, mm-hmm. and. My advice, and I think Cindy would agree with me, our advice to parents who suspect that their child may have some sort of brain-based diagnosis, whether it be based in processing or based in, you know, uh, brain impacting, that kind of thing, um, really just try to seek out first, figure out why you're thinking that, you know, is it because my child is not, you know. quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes, keeping up, you know, with, with his or her typically developing peers, is it because of, of a medical condition? And, and that was the case in our daughter. She actually received her EPSI diagnosis first. And then we learned that as a result of her absence epilepsy, dyslexia is very common. So, you know, it could be the result of a medical condition. Um, it could re could be from, um, you know, just something happened, um, or it could be genetic, you know, uh, such as autism. So if you suspect it, you know, just, just kind of figure out what Cindy and I did really was we kind of, uh, took note of our children's deficits or needs and, and just wrote them out so we could see them. And then there's strengths too. And then try to find a practitioner, um, so for example, if you suspect your, your child may have ADHD, try to find a practitioner, you know, who is trusted in your community, who, who can, you know, listen to you and say, yes, I believe they may have that. Let's, let's do an evaluation. Um, something that both Cindy and I did, you know, separately with our children was we had something called a neuros, a neuropsych evaluation, um, a neuropsychological evaluation. And, Uh, those are usually administered by um, neuropsychologists. um, And a neuropsych evaluation is very, very helpful to learn how your child's brain works. And that's probably one of the biggest recommendations I could also say is that if your child works differently and just excels in some areas and getting some sort of evaluation like a neuropsychological evaluation can be very helpful in your homeschooling because it can say, ah, okay. I know, for example, my son has really high distractibility, really, um, decreased impulse, you know, in increased wow. impulsivity, decreased attention. So we're going to homeschool. What we did was we homeschooled in what we like to call chunks, like okay. 15 minute chunks, you know, and okay, here's, here's some traditional learning. And then here's some sensory
2: and, and just kind of do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cindy, you know, shared that she had similar experiences too. I just want to interrupt for a minute because I I know the neuropsych eval can be called different things around the country. So it could be called a psych eval, uh, a psych evaluation, psychological evaluation, or an educational evaluation. And all those three things are the same. And they're usually administered by a PhD, a clinical psychologist, or an educational psychologist, or there's different types of psychologists, but usually a PhD in psychology. Um, and it doesn't mean your kids are being evaluated like how well are they psychologically? It really has to do with how their brains are functioning. So don't be intimidated by the word psych. Um, <laughs> and, um, and and they might be called different things. I know in our state, um, the university will do a psych eval for very low cost. And that's the other thing, these are not inexpensive tests. They're usually around $1,500, I think generally. But like if you can go to the local university, you might get it for $125 or so. So shop around for it. And also the other thing, find a low fee clinic because there is a low fee clinic in our state run by a graduate program and they have a PhD on staff who will do a psych eval for like a couple hundred dollars. I think it's even a sliding scale. So um, I just want to let people know that that's what you're talking about yes thank you lisa and i'm so glad you
0: mentioned that too, because those are resources. you can go to your universities you know if you live near a university, go to your universities for resources and not just um you know psychological, but you can also visit the the special ed um, departments there are other uh, departments um involved in our son when he was finally evaluated for occupation or excuse me for an f a s d Involved were um, occupational therapy, speech therapy, those were part of you know the evaluation in, in getting an f a s d so yeah, really thinking about and I'm so glad you brought that up, Lisa, because yes, having a neuropsych is expensive if you get it done by for us we we had it done through a psychologist, and it, we had to pay out of pocket yeah um, because it's usually something that's not covered by insurance, yes, so thank you so much for mentioning that um but yeah, so really. Learning how your child's brain works. That is probably one of the top three things that Cindy and I really want to take away through our book. How does your child's brain work? And also know that if your child has a developmental disability or has neurodiversity, however you'd like to phrase it, um, their trajectory of developmental growth is going to look different than their neurotypical peers. So what we mean by that is you're going to have a gap in what society, you know, general education expects them to know. However, due to their either diagnosis or just how their brain works, their development may be much slower and, um, not catch up with that. And that gap we call it dismaturity it's it's known as dismaturity, and that what that means, and it's d y s maturity so people think that often a child or a teen or a young adult that has a developmental disability is just choosing not to act their age they're just being immature, so immature means that the maturity is physically present, but they're just choosing not to use it dismaturity means that there's a dysfunction, the the maturity is physically not there in their brain in whatever area of development. So say social, emotional, um, say, you know, hygiene, activities of daily living, say cognitive, there is a gap between that individual's chronological age and their developmental age. And when you learn about that, and when you know that, okay, I'm going to meet my child where he or she is at, then that changes your whole perspective of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Then that changes. And and that's how Cindy and I both, she with buckaroos and blue collar homeschool us with, you know, trades and embracing the trades, we really learned that, okay, this is how our kids' brains flourish. And and this is how our homeschool uh, journeys, especially in high school, Really changed, mm-hmm. so that we could support their needs, but really shine a light on what their strengths were
2: mm-hmm. i as you're talking about dismaturity, wow, what a great, powerful name of a condition. We get calls all the time about executive functioning skills, and we are actually offering a class this coming year on executive functioning skills it's only we're only going to take ten kids in that class. Um, and we're going to really talk about those kind of things, because if you have a kiddo with some kind of brain development disability, they're probably going to have some dismaturity. And you see that, can they brush their teeth on their own every day? Can they pick up their room in ways? Can they focus and know what time to be at places? And if they can't, and it's not just an attitude issue or, you know, there's there's a, like a whole school of thought that, you know it's a character training issue and it might not be, it might not be that it might be that their brain can't catch up with the reality they're faced with. And so you need tools in your toolbox parent too, but also equipping your kids about how to even recognize the gaps in their own life and how to fill in those gaps is going to be something that's going to be really important for them because some of this stuff like FASD, they might not actually have, have the hardwiring, to get to a point where they're able to do it, they might just have to have adaptive tools that they rely on in life. And so that's what, that's what like executive functioning tools can really help them with. Would you agree with that? Or I love that. And that's a hundred
0: percent. Oh my goodness. I want, I want you on my podcast <laughs> because executive functioning deficits are the hallmark trait besides just maturity. That's the hallmark trait in FASD and many brain based diagnoses. It's not that a child won't do something, it's that their brain cannot process the steps involved in it. So, Cindy and I give the example of, you know, if you ask your child to make a sandwich, okay, we think, okay, yeah, it's just taking the bread out of the fridge and, you know, everything. But if, if you think about the steps involved in making a sandwich, it's a lot of steps. And it's often things that we just, again, our brains take for granted. Okay, I'm going to go to the fridge, take out the bread. I'm going to go to the deli drawer and take out the meat and the cheese. I'm going to go to the counter. It's yeah. a lot. And usually our kids that have brain-based diagnoses, such as FASD, such as autism, such as uh, ADHD they can only get to like maybe the first or second step and mm-hmm. their brain then gets stuck because like you said that ability to continue with that executive functioning skill is not there now and i'm so thankful to hear about these executive functioning skills classes because those skills can develop if if the brain but it may not develop until they're in their 20s yeah. or even in their late 20s you know and depending that, on yeah. the diagnosis
2: yeah, that's, that is the research so, I've read on ADHD and, and ADD is that it's not that kids with those diagnoses can't get to a point of maturity. It's that their brains develop more slowly and they are a couple years, like really think about ADD kids, ADHD kids is two to five years behind their chronological age. Well, that takes some pressure off you, mom and dad, and takes some pressure off your kids, hopefully because they're not trying to be disobedient. They're not trying to be flagrantly like in your face. They don't have the brain maturity to get there. So just, you know, go at a slower pace. It's all good. They'll get there. And there's so many tools and skills now that they can, that can help them. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. And that dismaturity, that gap in FASD is about half the chronological age. It's it's that much more because of how the brain, well, and because if you learn about FASD, how the, how alcohol impacts the, so many different areas of the brain, it's, it's estimated it's about half, maybe sometimes a little FASD is a spectrum disorder, just like autism, just like ADHD. So it looks different in everybody, but, um, depending on, you know, the multiple factors involved, that dismaturity can be half of the chronological age. So like you said, if you think of that, that frustration, that meltdown, that what we think is a tantrum, it's actually their brain telling us, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And for so many years, Lisa, I I prayed for change in my son. And then when we finally got the diagnosis and when we finally learned how FASD works, I realized I was praying for the the wrong thing all those years. I needed to change me. Mm-hmm. And change how I and my husband and I, you know, interacted with our son. And I'm so, so thankful that God took us on this very hard journey because now with our daughter, you know, she does not have a FASD, but she has her own brain-based diagnosis. I'm able to say, okay, what does her brain need? Mm-hmm. What does her brain need to operate? And how can I meet her where she's at? And I'm so, so thankful. And and I think that's one of the things that Cindy and I would love to communicate with parents out there is you don't discipline a disability, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you don't discipline a disability and having a brain-based diagnosis means that you need to make accommodations Mm -hmm. and those accommodations can change as the child gets older, as, as the teen gets older. But you need to accommodate because just like you would accommodate a child that has a physical disability, such as cerebral Mm -hmm. palsy, such as, you know, any other type of physical disability, brain-based diagnoses are a physical disability. They're just Mm -hmm. based in the brain. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes our kids that don't have any facial features or don't have any physical, outward physical signs, they're treated even more harshly, because their, their disability is invisible. Yeah. And as parents, we need to support them in the same way we would support a child
2: with any other type of physical disability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where can families find resources? I mean, you mentioned Kathy, um, Kathy Koch's book, is it Kathy Co- Cole or? How Kathy I- <laughs> Kathy Cool. So okay. Kathy Kuhl, Um
0: K U H. L oh,
2: and she's with right. Learn
0: Differently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's with Learn Differently. She's wonderful. Um, Kathy also offers, you know, uh she offers um sessions with parents and families. Uh I would also say another great resource is um SPED homeschooling. Yes. Yeah. By Peggy Ployer. She's, she's fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, there are other resources out there. Um, and, and if you want to email me, Natalie at FASD I'm happy to point you in the direction of resources. And Cindy and I also list quite a few resources in our book
2: too. Okay. So get your, get your book. You will need to buy your book. <laughs> and I think, I think honestly, if you, if you suspect that you're homeschooling a kiddo with a neurotypical disability, or or maybe you have one. I mean, I think that's one of the things some of us may be realizing through homeschooling is we we're not so typical ourselves. Um, just reading a book like this, even if even if you don't have FASD, but maybe you have ADHD or whatever, it's a good resource because this stuff is so transferable. I mean, it's if you understand the FASD brain, you're going to understand partially maybe an autism brain or a dyslexic brain. And so this is good information to really get a hold of what being an, an atypical learner, right. Would be. So yeah, definitely go get the book. So how, so tell us really briefly about how you got into trades and, um, and how that's all going for your son.
0: So when he was about, 16, there was a camp that was offered to teens that have uh, developmental disabilities and mental health diagnoses. It was a two-week camp at a nonprofit and he learned about basic carpentry skills. And he was very gifted. He came back and my husband and I could not believe. And he was just like, oh yeah, I did this and this and this. So that's when we decided to we, we were, we had a couple of failed attempts at like a trade school or doing something like that. It just was too fast paced for him. So that's when we met up and I share, uh, in, in my story in the book about, we, we met up with, um, his first apprenticeship teacher who was, is a wonderful, um, man, he's, he's a vet. He served our country and he was like, I'm happy to teach your son. So once a week we would go there and he would just apprentice with them. And then when he was done with him, we found his, his last uh, apprenticeship teacher who was with our son for almost three years. And he grew through that apprenticeship. So our son really benefited from one-on-one learning and hands-on learning. So that's why we developed an apprenticeship for him. And if you have a child that's interested in a trade that you find that maybe they've worked really well with their hands or they gravitate towards things like, you know, metal or welding or carpentry in our son's case, um, having an old fashioned apprenticeship, like reaching out to your local tradespeople and saying, Hey, I homeschool, you know, my, my teen, you know, learns differently, but really learns best from one-on-one. Could he, or she come once or twice a week and, and apprentice with you and basically learning, um, and growing with that person. And, and we, it took me 50 calls to different, to different carpenters to finally find, you know, those that were a great fit for our son. So our son now actually, he wanted to take a break from it. So now he works for a home improvement, a big box home improvement store. And he works actually in the electrical department because his store manager recognized she, she's great. So she recognized, you know, his, his, um, his FASD and his how he ha- needed accommodations, and she told him she said, "You know, I if I put you in in lumber and carpentry, I know you do really well, but I want you to grow." And and again, she got his brain, and she said, "What do you think about learning about lighting and electrical?" And now that's his his aisle is lighting and electrical and he has taken such ownership in that and learning about that and and you know the the store has like their own university about learning more about you know where they're working that specific area so he's still in the trades but now he's he's working in electrical and lighting learning about that you know through retail um and he is he's flourishing and he can only work part-time just because he can't really handle. And that's again, his brain, you know, he needs that accommodation, but um, you know, he is actually living in an apartment with two roommates and that has its challenges, but for the most part, it's going well. And um, so he's slowly starting to make his launch and i use that term loosely because it's still a lot of our support it's still a lot of our accommodations he's very close by he's less than an hour away but um it it grew so he he just loves trades you know so i'm glad he's in a place and his store manager said if you want to if you once you're done you know if you want to learn about plumbing or if you want to learn about whatever let me know but he uh yeah he's very proud of his aisle and of uh his his um his newfound love for electrical and and lighting
2: <laughs> that is awesome i i love how you really went after it as and i think as a homeschool mom as our kids get older we might we might not be the one who is doing all the teaching anymore we're more like the advocate or the mentor where we're really seeking out places that our kids fit well and that that's for all of our kids, no matter if they're college bound or Ivy league or going into the trades or need a lot of accommodations. We're really there. Hopefully as an advocate for them and you made 50 phone calls, way to go mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of phone calls.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was tired that those yeah. couple of days, but you, you, Lisa, you bring up a fantastic point is you are your child's advocate for life. Yeah. until he or she is able to advocate for themselves. And even then they may don't only be able to advocate for themselves in certain areas. They may still need you to help them advocate. So for example, our son has a, a number of medical conditions and, you know, we, we have one of the, one of the supports we have in places, we are his medical power of attorney. So if something should happen to him at work or anything like that, we're part of the decision-making process because he's not able to make those decisions. Um, so yeah, you really, when you have a child that interacts with the world differently, you're their advocate, but that's going to continue because, you know, whatever has impacted them is lifelong. So you can't just say, Oh, you're 18. You're on your own now. It it doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's really it's neat to think about as homeschoolers you have so much freedom your kids can go to college or university take a gap year go into the trades or create an apprenticeship for them and that doesn't have to be traditional um and I think I've been talking about this on the podcast and in the in the talks I've been doing about the future of work and the future of education and how it's all changing really quickly Um, And in many ways, we're kind of going back to what it had been where college university doesn't mean what it did so much anymore. Maybe Um, certifications are really important, too, depending on what field you're going into, obviously. But um, apprenticeships can be a really important part of your kiddo's high school and young adult life, too. And if you take a year break from academics to focus on that, it might be the best year. You know, it might be a year really well spent. Don't overlook those kind of opportunities that you can create. I'm sure Natalie would be happy to talk with you guys more about that. If and she absolutely to, yeah, reach yeah. out to me. Awesome, Natalie. Thanks so much for talking today, and I'm super excited about sharing your book with people again. It's called, um, it's on my it's on my page before this one. Give me a second. It's called Blazing New Homeschooling Trails: Education and Launching Teens with Developmental Disabilities by Natalie Vecchione. <laughs> <laughs> And Cindy LaJoy. And then you can also find her at the podcast FASD Hope and the website FASD Hope. Um, And also, she'll have a new podcast coming soon. So go to our website so you stay tuned for that. Natalie, again, delightful. I'm so glad that um, we had a chance to talk and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks
1: hey everybody this is lisa nearing from true north Homeschool academy and i just want to remind you that you can find all of our classes and clubs testing advising moms membership and more at TrueNorthHomeschoolAcademy.com. we do offer live online dynamic interactive small group classes so when your students take classes with us they're not in a they're not in a zoom room full of 100 people we keep our class sizes small so that the students get to know both the teacher and their fellow students. We um, use a lot of different technology to make the classes dynamic and interactive, including presentations, projects, breakout rooms, virtual whiteboards, and more. Um, We like to say that we use time-tested educational pedagogy coupled with cutting-edge technology to bring the best educational opportunities to your students in, in the privacy of your own home. We do provide syllabus and grading for all classes. Um, clubs are more relaxed, so we don't provide syllabus or grading for those, but you can certainly use our clubs for the transcripts, and we'd love to help you know how to do that. Stay tuned this year, 2022, for some exciting new um, classes and clubs being offered by North School Academy. Um, we're also going to be offering an honor club, dual enrollment, and so much more. We are honored to partner with you as you homeschool your children again check out Drew north homeschool and thanks for listening to today's podcast. Mm-hmm.